Welcome to the Carveline Tech Service Podcast, the go-to industrial coatings podcast. Here are your hosts, Jack Walker and Paula Jamis. All right, Paul, here we are again in the Carveline Tech Service Podcast. I got a case of the uh, vacations around the corner. Oh, is that what the problem is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's hard to tell that line for you of when when it's work day and when it's vacation day. Or it, when, it, when I'm serial and when I'm not. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we should just get right into it. Uh, we're going to bring you the guy who's helping you be number one in the number two business, and that's Mr. Brian Cheshire. How's it going, Brian? Hey, Jack. Doing good. Thank you guys for having me back. I can't take credit for that joke. That is a Brian Cheshire original. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I, I did have to use it because it is so clever. <laughs> Nothing, Brian. Not oh, yeah. even. I, I'd say we probably stop with, with the bad jokes before this whole podcast goes down the toilet. Today, uh, last time you were on, we were talking about some things and a different topic came up of ductile iron. And, you know, Paul said something offhand that, you know, we should get a ductile iron expert on here and we'll talk about duct- <laughs> ductile iron. And Brian was like, hey, I know a lot about ductile iron, too. <laughs> That'll teach you to say that you know something about anything on this show. Yeah, we make you the victim every time. So, Brian, why don't we take a second and talk about what exactly is ductile iron and where is it used? Yeah, sure thing. So, kind of going back to the importance of us talking about it, you know, ductile iron is one of those substrates really misunderstood. But you do see it quite a bit in, in water wastewater, especially on the transmission side. But without really getting into the metallurgical process of ductile iron pipe and fittings, you know, some important things we wanted to talk about today, you know, number one, it is a very different substrate than steel. And then, you know, there, there are some performance characteristics and some advantages that ductile iron has in a lot of these instances, you know, including high tensile strength, high, high durability, impact resistance, and many others. But you'll see ductile iron pipe used in various services including immersion service, buried service, and then even atmospheric exposure. But it is a very commonly seen substrate in water and wastewater. With that kind of a background, I guess we've got a lot to go through with this. What kind of surface prep techniques might we be looking at that are different for ductile iron that we might be looking at differently from, say, carbon steel or, or stainless steel? That's your thing. So, and I'll tell you this, you know, I've dealt a lot with ductile iron pipe manufacturers for years and probably one of the worst things you can do is, is say where they can hear you tell someone to prepare the surface using an SSPC standard <laughs> because it is apples and oranges. And, I've made that uh, mistake that's, that's before. A way to get run out of the building. Yeah. yeah. But the surface preparation of, of ductile iron pipe, it kind of goes beyond the scope of a lot of your standard SSPC standards. So what you see is, is uh, a standard commonly referred to NAPF 500-03 and it's put out by the National Association of Pipe Fabricators. And it specifically addresses surface prep standards for ductile iron pipe and fittings. All right. So why don't we take a little bit of a look at that and why that NF, NAPF that's backwards of there the fireproofing go. one 500 is different from those SSPC standards? Yes, I would say you're, you're really before jumping into the specific subsets of that standard. You know, so some things... Some important things to kind of know about ductile iron, you know, with with steel, a lot of times, you know, you, you'll see different blast standards and, and you can tell a difference by the change in color and then also the degree of, of staining that's allowed to remain. 
but when you're blasting ductile iron pipe, you know, it's going to typically change from your, you know, from a medium gray to like a bluish gray in color when you're abrasively blasting this. But one of the things that's distinctive is ductile iron has a, in most cases, a very tightly adhered annealing oxide on the exterior surface. And, you know, with steel, you've got mill scale that's commonly found that you have to remove. And mill scale is, is typically composed of iron oxides. But ductile iron, the, the oxides that you see on the outside of it are iron silicone oxides, you know, which are, you know, give it a lot of its, of its properties. But one thing, you know, that, that is kind of different, you know, the industry and, and, and coating manufacturers even, you know, have, have determined through the years that, you know, a tightly adhered annealing oxide on the exterior of ductile iron pipe you know, often acts as a very, you know, corrosion-resistant layer on the surface. And as we'll see in these different parts of the standard, if you actually remove that, you can, you know, damage the pipe and you, you can potentially over-blast it. And really, that is what we see a lot of times is over-prep, over-blasting, because it is, the texture of it is very different than the texture that you see, that tight density that's in like a carbon steel or a stainless steel. So if you go at it with the same technique, you're essentially going to cause more harm than good when you do that kind of a, of, especially when we're looking at abrasive blasting. You're definitely right there, Paul. And, you know, while there are some differences, you know, you'll, you'll kind of see as we, as we go through these standards quickly, some similarities to some of the, the common SSPC standards that you see. You know, the first of which being NAPF is 500-03-01, which is solvent cleaning, which, you know, should be done really prior to any other service prep method. You know, so it's, it correlates very closely to, to SSPC SP1. Yeah. On that same token, you've got uh, 02, which is hand tool cleaning, and 03, which is power tool cleaning. You know, some differences here, you know, so with both of these, similar to the SSPC standards, what differs is the method or the tool that's used, but the, the end result is the same. But in this, you know, that they ask that you remove all loose annealing oxide, loose rust, any loose mold coating, and any other loose foreign matter. You know, the intention of these is not to try to remove adherent annealing oxide, because going back to earlier, you know, if you get too aggressive, you can over-prepare these surfaces and potentially damage the substrate. That's right. But, that kind of terminology goes hand-in-hand hand with the SSPCSP surface preps. And one of the other things that you'll notice is each one of these, NAPF 03-02-03-04, they all also call out an NAPF 500-0301 cleaning before you start the rest of the surface prep. It is very, very similar to the way the SP standards are, which a lot of times get overlooked. But the first step of all of the surface prep standards by NASEN SSPC start with clean the surface. Yeah, I mean, I'm still stuck over here on foreign matter and their hit uh, cold as ice. That's That's what's stuck in my head right now. But Brian, continue on and tell us a little bit more about how the standards progress. Yeah, sure. So the next two, which are 500-03-04 and then dash 05, are going to address abrasive blasting. The difference being dash 04 is going to talk about uh, ductile iron pipe. Dash 05 is going to talk about ductile iron fittings. You know, because the surfaces of these are different, you do have to distinguish between those within these standards. But when you look at the ductile iron pipe blasting standard, you really have to look at it in two ways. First, the outside diameter of the pipe has a certain level of surface prep. And so on that, they are asking that you know, any tightly adherent annealing oxide, mold coating, and rust staining remain on the surface, provided that they can't be removed by lifting with a dull putty knife. 
So once again, there's there's some very similar terminology in there to what you see in, in some of the SSPC standards, but there are some distinguishing things, you know, including the the annealing oxide and the mold coating, you know, but kind of make those stand out. But, but when you're talking about the, the internal of the pipe or the inside diameter, that's a little different and they leave it a little open, but it really depends on the type of service that that pipe is going into. But there are different degrees of, of tightly adhered annealing oxide and rust staining that may be mandated there. But within the standard, they mentioned that, you know, internal pipe surface prep requirements really shall be specified by the, the pipe manufacturer as well as the lining manufacturer and really, you know, should be based on uh, testing of that lining um, in that environment. That's right. It is amazing that the, how similar a lot of these really are, but yet it's a very different substrate. But the gist of it that you're still getting to is the same, that you have to remove everything that's loose. There could be differing degrees of, like you said, that annealing layer, that annealing oxide could be left behind depending on what coating they're putting on and what service it's going into. There is a lot of a lot of similarities, and it, it's not something that should be foreign to most people who have done surface prep. All right, Paul, we made it. It's 2021. Finally. We're here. But we want to talk about a new tool that Carboline has given to the wastewater industry. So we'll help us get rid of 2020. Something like that. Yeah, we can flush that down the toilet. There you go. But here we go. We can uh, bring in Brian Cheshire. This tool is near and dear to his heart. So, Brian, why don't you tell us about the Wastewater Asset Protection Guide? Yeah, sure, Jack. So, you know, we're really excited to introduce this new tool and what it does. It takes the user step-by-step through the wastewater collection and treatment process. From there, we give details on each of the specific assets, along with suggestions for coating and lining options for the various substrates within those structures. But we feel this tool really gives a good high-level view on the treatment process and some of the coatings and linings that can be used to protect these structures. And where to go find it, carboline.com. We've got it under Markets, Water, Wastewater. And then we also have it under the Resources tab in the middle of the page. And in both cases, it's simply labeled as the Wastewater Asset Protection Guide. Yep, and that's the Wastewater Asset Protection Guide. And when you catch yourself in a shirty situation, go ahead and check it out. I guess... The next thing that we need to look at is what kind of coatings or linings do we look at for typical use on ductile iron services? Yeah, sure, Paul. So one thing to consider here, one thing that's really important to know is the standard protocol for ductile iron pipe is at the plant, it gets coated with approximately one mil of an asphaltic pipe coating. I mean, that's designed to give it a, a little extra corrosion protection, but really just to add to the aesthetics and to protect it until it can get installed. But that's one of the things that, that I see a lot on job sites where a stick of ductile iron pipe will show up and it needs to have protective coatings on it and it shows up with that all asphaltic layer on it. So a lot of times if you're going to have a high-performance coating on it, your due diligence is required in that the pipe really needs to be ordered and specified to be uncoated because the Ductile Iron Pipe Research Association and then even your foundries or manufacturers are going to recommend that that asphaltic layer be removed before any high-performance coating goes on top of it. That's right. And if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, if you've been to any of your big box hardware stores and you go down that aisle in the plumbing section and you see those, those are ductile iron pipes, those black ones that when you touch them, leave that black residue all over your hands. That's the residue. That's that asphaltic layer that they put on by default as part of the manufacturing process of these ductile iron pipes. Now, you're right there, Paul. And so I mentioned when the 
the pipe gets a high-performance coating system. It, it'll either show up uncoated or we'll also see the pipe show up with epoxy primers that are applied in the shop. Even in some cases, uh, phenolic alkyd primers are used. And then, uh, you know, another thing that we're seeing, and this was really something that started in Europe and, and it has really started to come to the U.S., but you'll see a lot of that iron pipe that'll be have a zinc coating on it. And, and, and where this is used is, you know, when these this pipe has to go in more corrosive soils, you'll see an arc applied zinc applied to the outside diameter of the pipe. And so while that is arc sprayed, the fittings that go with that are often have a, a zinc-rich coating on them to be able to match up with that. Brian, lastly, when we take a look at ductile iron pipe, what are the considerations that we have to do for when we line that pipe? Yeah, so once again, it kind of goes back to, you know, you really have to consider the service that it's going in. Some general considerations, you know, you really need to look at abrasion resistance, water vapor transmission, overall chemical resistance, because you may be transferring raw or potable water, or it even could be wastewater or sewage, and, and it often is. And so, you know, kind of going back to, to the default at, at the manufacturer, if it's not going in severe service, the, the go-to is typically a cement-lined asphaltic seal coat. But then when you get into situations where you need more abrasion resistance, you need more chemical resistance, that's really where your epoxies and your aromatic polyurethane linings come in. And once again, it, it, a lot of it depends on where it's going and the you know, service that it's going to be going into. Exactly. And, and you'll notice that Brian talked about a lot of the same technologies we would use with steel pipe, concrete, tanks, the key being the chemical resistance to the, the chemicals found within the wastewater stream or the raw water stream. That's going to really drive which linings that we would use. Brian, do you see more of a lean to 100% solids materials over uh, thinner film coatings? Yeah, by all means, you know, especially on the lining side, you're going to need need materials that are pretty robust, that are typically pretty high build. You know, a, a common thickness that you see on linings of, of ductile iron is anywhere from 30 to 50 mils. So naturally, from a economic standpoint and from, a, you know, looking at the labor side of it, your thick film coatings that can be applied in fewer coats are going to be preferred there. Absolutely. So looking at all of this, it kind of reminds me of a San Dimas high school football player's book report where he's like, everything's the same. <laughs> but it's different. And so, yeah, there's a lot of similarities here. A lot of the wording, a lot of the techniques are the same, but the finished results and the different things that you have to look for are important. And as you can tell, once again, we always know who to get on the show to have a good talk about the coatings. You can reach out to Paul and his guys, and uh, if you need to, he can get you in touch with Brian, and we can go from there. But for Paul and Brian, I'm Jack. Everybody have a great week. And so... For the Carboline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd, we'd like, like to, to thank, thank you for your support. Who put the line in Carboline? Who put the line in Carboline? No matter where I go, they don't know what I mean. I say Carboline.